1: Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney, who... Still looking for answers after that debacle we saw in Seattle last night. Big-time debacle. He'll weigh on that later on in the show. On today's show, though, why Bradtree Living needs to take a lot of heat for the John Klingberg situation, why any other coach would be fired for what Greg Popovich did, and is the Oilers' season too far gone? Lots to get to and lots to answer, so let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. Okay, Justin, so the Toronto Maple Leafs placed defenseman John Klingberg on long-term injured reserve on Thursday Thursday. Uh, it's maybe been the worst uh, kept secret in the <laughs> NHL, at least when, in Toronto circles. Klingberg, who signed a one-year deal with the Leafs in the offseason, worth $4.15 million. Uh, It clearly hasn't worked out. Just five oh, assists nope. and 14 games played this season. So what does putting Klingberg on long-term IR mean for the Leafs moving forward?
0: Oh, it gives them cap space, Albert. They now have, what, th- just a bit under f- $3.4 million in cap space. Yeah. So. Bradtree Living, the floor is now yours. Make a move. Fix this defense core because Connor Timmins is coming back today against the Blackhawks, and some people are saying that he's the savior for the Toronto Maple Leafs blue line.
1: No, I don't think anybody's saying Nobody's that. Nobody's saying that. Only <laughs> but, you
0: are saying that. But when you look at this back end, man, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake McCabe, Mark Giordano, Simon Benoit, William Leggison, and Connor Timmins. Mm. is that a playoff caliber defense core? Hell no. Right, the Toronto Maple Leafs right now are fourth in the Atlantic Division. I know it's early. Detroit's only one point back of them, but look, Brad Tree Living. It is time to stop sitting on your hands and waiting for the price to drop. You were given a gold bar, a get out of jail free card here with this John Klingberg LTIR situation because he's been horrible, 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 horrible. And once again, went to the Leafs done with a horrible contract, forced them to go on LTIR. The Leafs, Bradtree Living, you are brought in here to take this team to the next level. Time to make a deal. Stop sitting on your hands. Do something. Improve this defense core. Because as the season goes along, what happens if another injury happens, right? That is not on the realm of possibility. What happens if Mark Giordano gets her? What happens mm-hmm. if TJ Brody blocks a shot and gets her? God forbid that happens. But if it does, you're in even a bigger situation. It is time for... John, uh, not John, John Tree Living, Brad Tree Living to make a deal, improve this defense score, because Albert, you owe it to this roster, you owe it to this team to keep your foot on the gas pedal. You cannot
1: play it safe. For what it's worth, Brad Tree Living did say that this defense is a work in progress preseason, so I'll give him that. And also, just just a note on the Klingberg situation, this doesn't mean he's never going to play again or never going to play for the Leafs. We haven't heard that yet. But all you know roads are leading towards yeah. Klingberg. You know, maybe calling it and never playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs again. Uh, we can sit here and talk about what players they should bring in, mm-hmm. how to improve that décor. We've done that time and time again. We will continue to do that. But one thing I'm not hearing is Tree living getting any stick or heat for what's going on here. Let's think about some of these offseason signings, right? Let's start with John Klingberg. They signed him to a one-year deal worth 4.15 million dollars. I don't think he's a defenseman who's ever been that good in his career. Maybe in 2016-17, where he was, you know, I think he had a record 59 assists, 67 points, which is pretty good for a defenseman. I think that deserves around $4 million. But if he's been carrying an injury his entire career, because that's what we're hearing, has something to do with his hip possibly, Mm -hmm. but he's had this injury his entire career. Did you not know that before signing John Klingberg, giving the guy $4 million? And if you did know that, wouldn't you maybe lower the price? I understand you had to address the blue line, but you're addressing the blue line with an older player who's defensively inefficient. He's not very good. That's not the best part of his game. The best part of his game is offense. But what we've seen this season, he only has five assists. So even offensively, he wasn't doing much. So now you got $4.15 million straight to LTIR. That's one of your offseason moves. Your second offseason move, Ryan Reeves. You paid a, th- a fourth liner, yeah, the muscle, to bring in some toughness. And I get this, and maybe it's helped the room. But you paid him $4 million over three years, and he's in the press box. So $8 million of what you spent in the offseason aren't even playing on the ice. That's a massive issue. People are, you watch Ryan Reeves play, and you're like, I don't think he's ready to continue playing in the NHL. And that's just not, I'm not giving it to Ryan Reeves. But when you're making $4 million, you got to be better than that. And now he's not in the lineup. Look, Max Domi, another signing. What's he done? What is Max Domi? He's a third-line guy, but he's not contributing in any real way to this team. Okay, he brings a bit of toughness. Yeah, he's not like Brad Tree Living likes to say, but that hasn't worked out. The only one that's starting to pan out a little bit and we're starting to see how well he can play is Tyler Bertuzzi. And even that remains to be seen. They needed an upgrade on Michael Bunting on that first line, so I get it. Bring in Bertuzzi, not even playing on the first line, but he looks like a player who I think is going to fit in quite well. He just needed, I think, a few months to get uh, to get his season going. But I think Brad Tree Living uh, hasn't done a great job. And I understand he wasn't the first choice guy for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the first choice guy was Kyle Dubas until he had that press conference and basically threw himself under the bus saying he wanted more power and decided to leave and he got more power in Pittsburgh, which left Shanahan in a position where they needed to get a GM GM in as soon as possible. But what Tree Living has done so far in his short tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I would have to grade him like a D or below. It's not been great. And thankfully for Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, John Tavares, Matthew Nyes. Those players have been so good offensively, they're able to make up for the mistakes that are being made at the back end. That's not on Tree Living. That's on those players that have been there already. Now, at this point in the season is where Tree Living needs to make his money and make better decisions with that money. Every dollar counts in this cap world. You cannot be throwing around $4 million to fourth liners and old defensemen who have injuries that have been plaguing them their entire career. That cannot happen when you're completely up against the cap. If you weren't able to put Klingberg on LTIR, because MLSE I'm sweating like a machine right now. I'm getting hot. In getting hot. In but there. if you weren't able to put Klingberg on LTIR with the backing of MLS money, this season can turn out to be a huge disaster. This is like what you just said, a gold bar, a get out of jail free card oh, yeah. for battery living. But he's done a horrible job, in my opinion, so far as Leafs GM.
0: He has, and I think a lot of okay. Yes, it looks horrible
1: right now. Max, he, tell me what's Max he done. Domi. Give he's me done. a positive outside Domi, of Tyler got Bertuzzi. zero
0: goals. Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, has been just as bad as Max Domi. He's got eight points. But better recently. Better recently. Ryan Reeves is parked in the press box. John Klimberg, all of that stuff. It is time for the Toronto Maple Leafs to understand that they can't just rest on their laurels or rest on their skill and coast to a comfortable playoff position. No. This division is legit, right? I'm telling you right now. The Bruins are—we talked about the other day. The Bruins aren't going anywhere. Tampa Bay looks—Tampa Bay once again, and they're going to get vaccinated. I
1: don't know about that. I I won't necessarily agree with you with Tampa Bay. Have they not played very well this season? They've been playing well, but they don't look like the Tampa Bay of old. Okay, but they're getting close to that level, right?
0: Right, yeah. Detroit, young and -and up-and-coming team, right? Buffalo, before the injuries, again, they were there. Ottawa, let's see if they can turn Mm. it around. Look, the Eastern Conference, there are some good teams in the Eastern Conference that can—the Leafs— Cannot be sleep on. For sure. Right? You mentioned it. And I'm looking at this. The disparity of points from the top five guys and everybody else is pretty big. It's huge. Right? And again, I keep on saying this. It is time for the Leafs to understand. We cannot run this back, run this back, keep on thinking that this thing is going to work. Being so top-heavy in this league is not going to help. We talked about it the other day, again with the Boston Bruins. Yes, they have a guy in David Pasternak who makes $11 million. But after that, everybody else fits so well into the system. The Leafs don't have a system. Their system is this. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, and maybe John Tavares. Go score as many points as you can and we will win games like that. Well, how is that working out for the Edmonton Oilers right now that we're going to touch on a little bit? You need to have a defense core. You need to have a strong goaltending crew. When I look at this, yes, they have spurts. The goaltending has been good. But when you look at this roster, you look at how it's constructed. It is not a championship team constructed. And Bradtree Living, again, you're looking at the mess he created in Calgary. How's that working out for Calgary right now? Huberto's playing better, but we're just happy he finally scored a goal. Ten and a half million dollars, and that's how low the bar is. Kadri, what has he done? The anchors that Tree Living left in Calgary are going to be felt for years because that franchise is set back. Now he's here in Toronto. I agree with you. Kyle Dubas probably should have stayed, but he wanted more power, and MLSC was not going to put him over Brendan Shanahan. That's the,
1: that's the cold, hard fact. Which is fine. I think that was a good move because nobody is bigger than the club or the franchise. So I understand what he did. And I'll give Brad Tree Living a break mm-hmm. with the Calgary situation because Huberto came here because Kachuk wanted to leave. and you're But you're not to sign to that big deal, though. But you're not thinking that a 100-point player is going to turn out to be a 50-point player a couple seasons after, or even not even if that. But again, look and at the situation he was in in Florida. Look
0: at the situation he was in in Florida. No, I understand right? that. Right. That's I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying. just saying
1: that's not completely on Tree Living. What what O is doing, a lot of that is down to the. He gave
0: those guys those contracts, Albert. But a lot of that. But but
1: Justin, you're paying a hundred point player ten million dollars. That's it's understandable. Yes, but you don't have to give him the eight years. You could have waited. The term, yeah, exactly. You gave him the eight year term, which is going to handcuff
0: that organization forever. I know it's which is concerning for the Leafs. It is, and you think about this. There, this is not getting any easier there's even more difficult decisions down the road I think Austin Matthews that contract extension was the easiest thing he had to do right that had to get done but now the decisions keep on getting tougher and tougher how do you fix his defense core in season how do you finish out the bottom six of your the bottom six of your your forward how do you figure that out with limited cap space not a whole lot of resources to trade how do you improve this roster come playoff time then in the off season, William Nylander contract extension. Possible Mitch Marner contract extension. Can you pay both of them? Do you have to trade one? Albert, it just gets harder and harder for Tree Living. And this is the situation the Leafs are in. They are reaching a... Fork in the road where they have to determine: okay, is this core four or this this top heavy as you know what the route we have to go to win a Stanley Cup, or do we have to make some really difficult decisions? That is that decision day, judgment day is coming for Brad Tree Living, and he's getting paid the money to do it. I just don't trust Brad Tree Living to make the right decision for the best benefit of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for Leaf fans out there, that is something very worrisome because. He's shown to make wrong decisions in the past in giving guys longer-term deals or different contracts or trades that don't pan out. Mm-hmm.
1: But this is the team now, and it's not DEFCON 1 because they're still in a good position. They're probably going to make the playoffs. I don't foresee anybody in the core four being traded this season. There will be defensemen coming in. What does that mean moving forward? What kind of defensemen? Is it going to be championship caliber defensemen? Are they going to be looking to fill out the bottom six? Because this is the position that the Leafs are in and they've Mm -hmm. been in for a long time where your top six is your top six. There's nothing you can really do about it outside of change a winger here and there. But then you're chopping and changing the bottom six. And, you know, right now, I think it's they're doing a pretty good job. I'd say the third and fourth line over the past few games look like they could be turning into something good. How long that lasts, I don't know. But the main area that needs to be addressed is a defense and now you know with Klingberg going on LTIR they've afforded themselves a much bigger window in terms of money that they have to work with Do something with now you know if you want a guy from Zadorov, because you have that three plus million you don't necessarily have to ask Calgary to retain salary so maybe that lowers the asking price so things will change I think for right now it doesn't look great but having some cap flexibility right now for a team that wants to make a championship run um, is is good but Bradtree Living needs to really to, to, to make I think to turn around how he's perceived so far as the Maple Leafs GM every decision moving forward needs to be a good one I don't think he's afforded himself any leeway in that way okay let's move on let's uh, take a bit of a break and talk about another Canadian team who's got some problems some big problems and it's the Edmonton Oilers Justin I'll ask you after the break have you lost faith in this Oilers team Okay, Justin, Edmonton Oilers. Uh 5 12 and 1, 11 points here, deep in November, 10 points out of a wild card. Have you lost faith in the Oilers to make the playoffs this season?
0: Albert, I picked this team to win the Stanley Cup, and I think I'm getting to that point where I'm about to jump off ship. Now, <laughs> I think so. Like dude, when I watched I saw that the highlights of the game against Carolina. Oof, bad. That was a bad for This team right here is it's not the coach it's not the goalie, it's not. The, it's the effort. This team has the worst defensive effort I've seen in a while. They don't even play soft defense, they play no defense whatsoever. They play careless. Evan Bouchard might be the worst defenseman in the NHL. Offensively he's pretty good. Offensively he's good, but defensively he that. is an absolute tire fire. Right, McDavid and Drysutter don't look interested in playing defense whatsoever. Backchecking does not matter at all whatsoever to them. But when the cameras are on them, they're holding, you know, patting each other on the leg on the bench, saying, "Ah, oh, you know what? Maybe if we both jump ship right now, you know, we can get out of here on a dodge like that." <laughs> no one ever said that. Just when me. they they are the reason you are the leaders of the Edmonton Oilers, and you put forth that effort on a night-in to night-out basis, knowing that your, you know, what is on the line. Your reputation as the best two players in hockey is on the line, and you come out with that type of effort on a night-in, night-out basis. Hockey is a 200-foot game. I understand Leon Drysdale can play like absolute hot trash and still lead his team in scoring. I understand Connor McDavid can turn a flip-flip a switch on and off and score a highlight reel goal here and there. But the fact that these two guys are so disinterested in playing defense and then it filters to the rest of the team, Albert. No coach can hold them accountable because the coach they have right now is the coach who's just a yes man for Connor McDavid to appease him. The coach Chris Knobloch they brought in, right, is I don't think will ever stand up to Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid and hold them accountable for what they're doing. Leon Drysaddle, and you've t- told me said this a bunch of. You think Leon Drysaddle pouts a lot? You know he's kind of salty and stuff like that. And I always kind of push back. I know like, oh, Drysaddle's a bit of a guy, you know. He he gets he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He like, says
1: he wears his emotions he on his
0: sleeve. But you know what he doesn't wear on his sleeve? A sense of accountability playing, uh, you know, getting back on the back check. These guys right here are the leaders. And it is so big. I can say what I want about the Leafs and this and that. But at least Austin Matthews plays a 200-foot game, right? When you look at your the best players on the best teams that are doing well this year, their players at least try to play a 200 foot game or attempt to play a 200 foot game. The, tr- the the Edmonton Oilers right now are so there's no there's no trade they can make. There's no change they can make anymore. It's in that locker room, Albert. This team right here has to finally understand, real and we're gonna keep on saying this and saying this. It's on them. They're playing bad. It's not a coach's fault. It's not a roster fault. This roster, if they all play to their potential, is a good roster. They had a historically great power play last year, career years from pretty much everybody, right? And even if they had... 85% 85% of that. There was always going to be regression. There was going to be regression, but they, they did 90 to 85% of what they got last year. This team would still be one of the best teams in the NHL. But no, they are not doing anything of that sort. They are playing just strictly offense. They're, they're woe is me. The sky is falling. Uh, blame everybody else. At the end of the day, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, if I'm Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, me and you have to sit together in a whatever, in a room, whatever, and realize that we are the only way this team is going to get better because we are the tone setters, we are the leaders, so if that means I have to block a shot, and I hate blocking shots, but it's going to get this team going, then you have to do it. The Edmonton Oilers are an absolute DEFCON 1. Is it DEFCON 1? Yeah. DEFCON 1, yes. Yeah. DEFCON 1. You have five wins at U.S. Thanksgiving. That is unacceptable for the talent you have. That is unacceptable for the expectations you guys placed on yourself. So get together you two, figure it out
1: and get it right. I'll disagree with you a little bit on what you're saying about McDavid and Drysidal and, and talking about a two hundred foot game. They can play. We've seen them play that. We saw them play that way against Vegas. They have it in them. I don't know what it's it. gonna take to pull it out of them, but that game is obviously there. We know they got some bites him. Look what Dreysidal did to Petrangelo. Angelo. He tried to take his arm off. And who jumped into scrap? Connor McDavid, right? So they have it in them. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but you're right. They can only blame themselves. You can't look at the coaching. Woodcroft is gone. Yeah. So now it's not blocked there, and you got Paul Coffey on the bench, who's a special advisor to what the chairman, the owner, yeah. And then what Jeff Jackson is Connor McDavid's agent, former
0: agent, yeah, and
1: the president of the Edmonton Oilers. So I mean. For McDavid, everything is there for him. For Dreisaitl, I think he just needs to suck it up and play. I know that's easier said than done, but after what I saw in that first period against Carolina, you put in that effort at this point in the season where you essentially have to play 650 hockey the rest of the way. You got to get to – last year in the Western Conference, second place, 95 points. So you – with 64 games left, they have to win 45 times. Can they do that? I mean, yes, but I've been on the fence of whether they're going to make the playoffs or not because I don't want to – I don't want to completely rule them out because of who they have. But the team is there. The goaltending is a big issue. I'm not sure what they can do. We're hearing rumors of potentially Peter Morazic from Chicago going to Edmonton. I don't know how that would work. Jack Campbell is probably going to get another shout with the Oilers, but he's getting lit up in the AHL. Did have a shout-out, though, this week in the I AHL. I understand that, but that's uh, it, he's so far from being a number one goalie in yep. the NHL. He's not the guy who's going to come in and save this team. So this Edmonton Oilers team, they have some serious issues. And I have a stat here. You mentioned U.S. Thanksgiving. But teams outside the top eight of the conference at U.S. Thanksgiving missed the playoffs 76% of the time. And I know things change and things can change and stats are whatever. It is what it is. And the history books are made to be rewritten. I understand that, but they put themselves in such a horrible position. The Western conference is not easy. Yes. McDavid and dry are back to point a game guys, but that's not translating to wins. And I don't know what will like, I wish I had a, a, an answer. I wish I can pinpoint something and say, this is what they should mm-hmm. do, but it's just play better. That's the only thing that they can do. And It's not going to be Warren Fogle. It's not going to be Derek Ryan. It's not going to be Zach Hyman. Mac Mac David. Mac David. Mac David. Connor McDavid and Drysdale. It has to be them for everybody else to follow. You sitting on the bench looking upset and patting each other, I understand they're in a dark, dark place, and it's probably so difficult to get out of. But the only way out is through them. That is the only way.
0: They put themselves in this hole, Albert. They were the ones saying Stanley Cup or bust. So when Drysdale comes out in the media... Th- like, that,
1: this is what's weird.
0: And then We're Mcgave not having it. a good time. We're not having a... It's not fun. Well, of course it's not fun. You placed the expectations this whole summer that we have to win the Stanley Cup. Not that we want to win it. So we have to win but it. But that
1: didn't sound so far-fetched preseason. It
0: didn't. It didn't. But when you... They almost beat Vegas. But, Albert, you know what it's like in a Canadian market and you understand the, the high profile of these two players. When they say stop like that the media is going to hold on to that you're seeing McDavid snap at the Edmonton media every day but we're also seeing Edmonton media go after you know getting in Twitter battles with ex-refs and stuff like that
1: to be fair he's not snapping He's just frustrated with the questions. Yeah. If you get a question, would you rather win 4-1 or 7-5? I mean, what do you want the guy to say? And I'm not going to dig on Mark Spector because I read his stuff and I think it's good. But when you're getting those types of questions all the time, your team isn't winning. You, you,
0: five yeah, wins in November. That's what happens, Albert, when you put when you, when oh, you I get come it. out and say that we have to win the Stanley Cup. We have to do this. We are going to do it. We felt that we would have won the Stanley Cup if things gone our way, right? You place those expectations on you and when it gets bad it's going to snowball and it's snowballed it's an avalanche right now it's a it's a five car crash it's it's bad right it is not good right now at edmonton and it's just going to affect their emotional ability but the the one saving grace they have albert is they have the two best players in hockey and if they start playing like the two best players in hockey like we know they can and they start putting it all together then, yes, they can win whatever it is, 42 more games this year. They can hit 47 wins this season. Got to start soon, though. You got It starts tonight in Washington against a team who's won five straight games themselves. And we kind of wrote the Capitals off as well. But the Oilers are not out of it yet. They're, they're not—season's out a wrap. But you have to it's start close. doing it soon. It's close. And it's getting very close yeah. to, you know— now or never,
1: because even if those guys do pick it up, goaltending is an issue. It's yeah. the worst goaltending in the league, yeah. worst safe percentage in the league, second worst when it comes to goals against. And no, it's Peter a, not going to fix. It, that. Peter Mrazek's not going to fix. I don't know what trade is actually out there. There's a report that apparently the Oilers are sitting on their hands in terms of being inside the trade market, which is crazy to me. But what so we're going to wait do? and see but what are are you happens. Gonna do? It's true, but can they rattle off like eight wins in ten games? Hell, sure. Could the Caps just did, the Caps are eight one and one in the last ten. Yeah. The Oilers have a much better team, so I'm not going to completely write them off, but. If, if they lose against the Caps and our next episode will be dropping on Monday, I think I might have to say it's over. I know it's one game, but if they don't turn it around now, then when? Then when, Justin Pooney? You know, we, let's, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, do some take for take. We'll talk about Greg Popovich and what the hell he was thinking.
0: Albert, Albert, Albert. It is wintertime, which means trade rumors are swirling around baseball. Free agency. Where will Shohei Otani, your boy, end up? <laughs> but locally in Toronto, a lot of interesting news this week. Oh, uh, their best player, Bo Bichette, has been in talks with trade conversations with, with teams like the Cubs. Albert, I got to ask you this. Are the Blues actually legitimately going to consider trading Bo Bichette, or is this just the dead of the winter and rumors are just starting up?
1: Yeah, we'll always hear these rumors. I don't believe this for a second. And let's talk about the origin of these rumors. It came from a local Toronto Blue Jays podcast. I think independent media. I'm not going to mention the name of it. And then it just snowballed from there because John Morosi, who's a well-known uh, ma- Major League Baseball reporter, quote tweeted it and said, I mentioned this last year that Bobashek could be traded. And if he does get traded, this is where they lost me completely. If he does get traded to the Cubs, it's for him to play third base for the Cubs. A shortstop playing third base. I don't think he's ever played third base. Maybe a couple games here and there for the Blue Jays. But Mm -hmm. I don't believe it. Uh, Do I think the Jays would trade Bo I think so. I I know that's crazy to say because he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Mm -hmm. Defensively, he improved this season at the shortstop position. But I just wonder if management um, aren't happy with his performances in the postseasons. Most notably this past postseason, which he wasn't great. Some bad Uh, judgment on base running. It wasn't just him. Vladdy made some issues. I can't stop thinking about Vladdy getting picked off at second base, but big time at bats and striking out and not coming up in the clutch when they need their best players to do so. But you can say the same thing for Vladdy and we keep hearing rumors as well about the Jays want to make a major move. I still believe they actually will make a move. Do I think it's Bichette being traded to the Cubs for what? How do you make the Blue Jays better with a trade to the Cubs? Unless you're trading Bichette to the Cubs, for some sort of package that you're going to flip in return with another. I don't know. I just don't know how that would work. You are a Blue Jays team who are in win-now mode. Acquiring pieces from the Cubs is not going to make you better, especially when you're subtracting arguably the best hitter in the American League.
0: Could it be a salary dump for a potential mega no. offer for Shohei Ohtani? Look, no. Rodgers. I'll tell you why. Because, hold on, hold on. Hold
1: on. No, I'll tell you why.
0: Because I'm Shohei you finish what I was about to say. Okay. Look, Rogers, you know, is notoriously being kinda of cheap with the Jays, right? You know, they're just spending <laughs> they got the whole, money. they're just spending a whole lot of money on renovating the ballpark. And we know that if you bring in Otani, season ticket sales go up, 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 up. Okay. Right? Yeah. So maybe you dump the Bichette money, you can pay a little bit more for Otani. No. You know you're gonna get more people in the seats, more exposure, more maybe potential sponsorship ability, more viewership. Right. I'm just saying it could be something like that. It could be a business move where you subtract your team, but you get this big star attraction that's going to put butts in the seats. Pooney,
1: you know this. Nobody wants Otani more on the Toronto Blue Jays yes. than me. I love this guy. He may be my favorite athlete going at the moment. Tiger Woods is up there, but Otani may, may have usurped him. If you're Shoya Otani and your pitch to him is, hey, we're going to trade our best player away to make room to bring you in. Otani's be like, why would I come to the Toronto Blue Jays if you're trading away Bo Bichette? It makes absolutely no sense. And as much as I'd want him here, let's say they can pull it off even with Bichette, I just don't understand paying somebody $50 million who can only play one position for at least least the first season because the Jays still need pitching. Manoa is not a sure thing for next year. So you might have to make a trade and acquire somebody. And with that fifty million in salary, you can acquire two to three players who can okay, if you're looking at uh wins above replacement, which I keep hearing about, and Otani's the best of the bunch. Mm-hmm. I believe so. It's either him generally, or generally
0: that's why he's the greatest player of all time, right? right? But you
1: can acquire a couple of players to make up that gap. You don't need the best player in the world to win a World Series. We've seen that. Yeah, Would sure. it be nice? Absolutely. Can you if you were to get Otani? For $50 million a year, and he's coming in immediately, he's your ace and your number one batter. Okay, you're getting two players for that $50 million. It makes complete sense. But this offseason, you're paying $50 million for one player. You still need pitching. You got to figure out the Matt Chapman situation, and reports are that there might be a deal between the two, which I'm not completely happy about. Love his glove at third base. That bat is not great. Don't want him. So they still got to pay some players. They still got to fill some holes. And by trading Bichette and bringing in Otani, it makes zero sense. You're taking a step back. Okay.
0: Oh, I don't know why, why you're laughing. Was,
1: <laughs> because Otani's not coming to the Jays. He's no, he's the,
0: not. A hope He's going does. to the Dodgers or the Yankees. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're delusional if you think that Otani's going to the Jays. <laughs> Just as delusional as Greg Popovich is. Because oh, if you guys haven't seen this, he's the coach, obviously, for the San Antonio Spurs. Iconic Legend of the game. Iconic game. I lost a ton of respect for him after this, but we'll discuss. I'll let Justin uh, have his take. But if you haven't seen it, uh, the Clippers were in San Antonio. Playing the Spurs, and Kawhi Leonard obviously plays for the Clippers, used to play for the Spurs. Occasionally and, plays for the Clippers. Okay, occasionally, <laughs> uh, occasionally plays for the Clippers. And uh, he was being booed by the San Antonio fans, and this is what Pop did. Excuse me for a second. Pop's Can on,
0: we on the mic. Stop all the boo and let these guys play It's We've got no class. It's not who we are. Knock off
1: the booing. Pop telling the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard. But that's not San Antonio. Well, I don't believe I've ever seen that. So old man grabs microphone starts screaming at people and telling them how to act. And then after the game, he was asked why he did that. And here's his answer. You don't poke the bear. But you told the fans that it was...
0: I just, I just told you why I did it.
1: What? Can you clarify that, though? What?
0: I, I, I spoke English. I just told you. Anybody that knows anything about sports knows you don't poke the bear. That's my answer.
1: All right, Justin. You heard that. You saw it. You heard it all. Was he right to tell the fans not to boo? First
0: of all, that camera guy in the post uh, post game press conference. The camera just shaking the whole time. He was even scared of Greg nervous. Popovich. Look, man. This is the this is the NBA now. This is the NBA. What right? does that mean? Coddling superstars. Don't boo Kawhi Leonard. This, that, and the third. Look. Kawhi Leonard did not want to play for the San Antonio Spurs anymore, Albert. was that a, Is that a fact? Yes or no? No, it's true, yeah. Yes. So he said, I don't want to play for the San Antonio Spurs anymore. Did him and Craig uh, Greg Popovich have a great relationship? Yes. Is Greg Popovich one of the most beloved coaches in basketball? Yes. But, and I know Greg Popovich is a smart guy. Sometimes he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. When you go out there and you stand up for players like that and you, you know, you go against the fans because a lot of times now in the NBA, it's the players are against the fans, right? There's that kind of that that thing where NBA Twitter is very toxic, you know, fans and the players they're not really on the same page a lot. I think Greg Popovich is kind of appeasing himself to superstar players, like, hey, I still got your back. I'm a players coach. Now. That's what the NBA is, Albert. Look. This also reminded me of, I think it was like back in the 80s or whatever, when that Cleveland Brown or Cincinnati Bengals coach grabbed the mic and said, Stop throwing beer bottles, right? Fans are going to boo whoever they want to boo. You pay your ticket to get into the arena. You can boo whoever the hell you want to boo. You can boo your, your team, the opposing team, the coaches, whoever. You can boo whoever you want. You are a fan, fanish or fanatic. Right? You could do whatever you want to do. Spurs fans are hurt because once Kawhi Leonard left, the team went into the tube and they've hadn't had any promise since they finally got Victor Wemmiano. Right? Greg Popovich didn't never want to trade Kawhi Leonard. Right? He's also trying to take the attention away from the fact that his team is 3 11 on the season right not again another loss or whatever he's taking the attention away from his players his young players right he's putting all the attention on him so his players can get a pass right so they don't have to answer the tough questions or whatever with the media so when i look at greg popovich it's all calculated there's a reason he did this he's not some senile old man that just decided i'm gonna go do this right he's a very calculated individual greg popovich you know with those uh, halftime interviews or whatever on the court he always gives us one word answers with the media he acts very smart almost too smart like he's a genius right everything greg popovich does is calculated and this was just another calculated move by greg popovich
1: he got the calculations wrong on this one let's be completely honest this is a to me honestly fireable offense any other coach in the nba maybe bar steve kerr and maybe that's it i think we'll get fired you're going to go and tell the fans who pay their hard-earned money to go watch a game at a sporting event what to say and what to do. They're not, they're not yelling you know, racist remarks or obscene things and throwing mm-hmm. beer bottles at Kawhi Leonard. They're just booing them. And you're going to step up there, grab the mic mid-game, and say, knock it off like you're somebody's father. Don't act like that. We're better than that. What about how you acted post-game? But he always does that. It doesn't matter. You're talking about class. How classy is that post-press conference? But that's who he He, is. He said, am I not speaking English? Do you want me to make up an answer? Don't poke the bear? What the hell does that even mean? They're booing because the player left. This happens in every sport with every team. When a superstar leaves and he comes back, you boo him. That's just the way it's It's going to be. And I've meant like Kevin Durant got it, LeBron James got it. This is just what happens, right? Albert,
0: that's not the NBA, not the NBA is It doesn't so hold on. It doesn't down, matter.
1: Man. You cannot be doing that. And listen, if you if you're ownership of San Antonio, and you're like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" The customer is always right. They're paying mm-hmm. his salary. They're paying the team's salary by buying those tickets. That's what's happening. And you're telling them how to act. And I love the fact that they boot even harder after they did exactly. that. And, like, who does Pop think he is? He's Greg I, Popovich. He's... I get it. But the team is horrible. They have three wins. You're not going anywhere. And there's this thought that the only way Victor Wembanyama is going to turn out to be as great as everyone thinks he will be is under Pop. I don't if think... you take Pop out of the equation, he's still going to be a great player. Okay, is he going to get some better mentorship? For sure, from Pop, because he's done it with David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Kawhi Leonard? Kawhi Leonard. But I think he's gotten so comfortable there that he feels like he can do whatever he wants. He, he grabbed a microphone in the middle of the game and told the crowd how to act. Who does that? Albert, That doesn't happen. Albert, that's not normal behavior. It's the NBA. There is. No, I don't care that it's but, it. That means th- that's nothing. That's the thing. That but means in that the thing.
0: NBA, in the NBA... You know when we talk with the NFL that nobody's bigger than the shield, right? In the NBA, everybody's bigger than the game of basketball. Pop is the San Antonio Spurs. When you think of the San Antonio Spurs, you oh, think of Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich. When you think of any other when you think of the Lakers, right? You think of Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley. When you think of the Miami Heat, Pat Riley comes to mind right away, right? But he's not
1: grabbing the microphone and telling the But what the I'm crowd saying is that
0: the NBA is such a league where they allow this to happen, right? Okay. Adam Silver allows this to happen. Has right. Adam Silver came out once and talked about this at all? No. No, not yet. He allows this to happen. This is the league that Adam Silver allows to happen. So that is up to the league. Greg Popovich feels so comfortable he can do whatever he wants in San Antonio. And that's on the league. If I'm the league, I got to step in and you got to find him or <laughs> suspend him. You can't have a coach yeah. do that. That's letting. Imagine Darko Ryakovich doing that. Fired. I mean, he, I don't think he ever has. The, the he would gumption. be fired. He doesn't have the gumption.
1: To he do that. would be fired, I mean, Justin. Fired this is what anyway. I'm saying. He's gonna get fired anyway for what he's Pop doing. Pop thinks right he, he's playing on a different field. I wouldn't be surprised one day we're gonna see Pop in, in a robe and slippers on the sideline, just walking around with a cup of coffee. He's and that, still he's still that it. comfortable. He's it's still getting away with it. He can't it. be that comfortable. Then he puts <laughs> his hands out. He's like, stop, like an old man. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, Pop, just relax, okay? Just it's, take it's not comfortable trip. times in
0: Chicago. Again, a struggling, rebuilding franchise around Connor Bedard, who is leading the league in rookie scoring. Um. But they've hit some injuries. Corey yeah. Perry is not playing for mysterious reasons. Taylor Hall is now out for the season with a knee injury. Yeah, so out, my question to you is, should the Blackhawks sell off some of those assets to acquire a top-line forward to play with Connor Bedard?
1: It's tough to say, but they have to do Bedard right. They brought in Taylor Hall to play with him on the top line. Obviously, Taylor Hall, great player. Hart Trophy winner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, um, But he's done for the season. Uh, Bedard's on a 50-goal pace. He's getting better and better every single game, but he's got no one to play with. Who's on his top line? Lucas, Reichel, and Khrushchev. After that, it's a steep drop-off. The problem is if, you, if you're the Blackhawks, you're a, a franchise who's in a retool slash rebuild, you don't want to give up much, right, to acquire a player. But I think they need to do right by Bedard and find somebody who can, who, who's a top six forward who can play on that line with him. I mean, can he carry that line? Sure, but I think he needs a bit more with them. And if you're losing Corey Perry, which maybe that could possibly happen, we don't know really what's happening with Corey Perry. I'm hearing rumors that he might be traded to Edmonton to spark that dressing room. <laughs> can that happen? I'm not sure. He's making four million. Maybe the Blackhawks eat some of that salary. He moves out the door. But I think the Blackhawks need to find a way to bring another top six talk. Sorry, top six guy to play with Bedard. Tank,
0: bro. Tank and get another Vancouver at Macklin celebrated the first. But you don't want to
1: stunt the growth of your superstar.
0: Look, they did it before. They'll do it again. You get a couple high first-round draft picks and Taves and Kane. Look what happens. No, it's true. You end up building the dynasty. Right. Right? It's proven to work before in Chicago. Just, it's fine. You don't need to sell off any assets yet. When you're finally starting to contend and push for a playoff spot and want to make a run, then you sell off assets. Right now, you're still in the beginning of a rebuild. You don't accelerate that by trading assets for guys who are older. Fit the timeline of your team. Go tank. Get Macklin Celebrini, another young player from Boston College, who's going to be the first overall pick. Pair him with Connor Bedard, and watch. But it's not It'll that easy, fun.
1: right? It's not like the NFL. Just because you finished last doesn't mean you get a first pick. It's, it's not. A lottery. But
0: look, you're going to get a top five, a top pick in the
1: draft, right? For and sure. And again,
0: you're going to get another foundational piece.
1: But I'm just thinking about this season. But I'm with you. Do not yeah. sell off assets Don't for a player. Assets. But if there's someone floating around you can get on the cheap to, to bring on the top top six or whatever the first line yeah. with Bedard, then go after it. Okay, let's wrap up the show, and I'll give you the final word. Uh, your Seahawks took a an ass-whooping oof, by the 49ers, led by CMC and uh, your boy, Brock Purdy, My who boy, you want Brock to talk Purdy. about right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, um, Albert, there's a lot of expectations a lot uh, placed on teams in sports, right? You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a lot of expectations to win a Stanley Cup because they have great pieces around them, right? Patrick Mahomes, every time he plays, steps on the field, he expects to win and to win a Super Bowl because he's the best quarterback in football. Right. We look at the Golden State Warriors, the, you know, the elite of the, the Milwaukee Bucks, the best teams they expect to win championships, right? When you look at the San Francisco 49ers, I saw that game last night. I watched it from start to finish. It was a massacre. It's very clear the Seattle Seahawks are a very good team. But Geno Smith is not a quarterback to lead this team. So we know that in this draft, going forward, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington is the pick. We need Michael Penix Jr. to be wearing a Seattle Seahawks jersey potential Heisman winner. That is what the Seahawks need. But Brock Purdy, you got the biggest, easiest ride to a Super Bowl. If you do not lead this team to a Super Bowl, this San Francisco 49ers team with Christian McCaffrey, the best, maybe the best offensive player in football, besides the quarterback. Debo Samuel, the most unique wide receiver in football. Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. Brandon Ayuk is proving that he can be a game breaker at the wide receiver position. George Kittle, a perennial all-pro tight end. And that's just on the offensive side of the football. You have Fred Warner. You have Nick Bosa. You have Chase Young now. You have Eric Armstead. You have the best defensive line or best collection of talent on the defensive line. You have Kyle Shanahan, whose game plan might be the most brilliant game plan in football today. Kyle Shanahan took Jimmy Garoppolo and his sorry ass to the Super Bowl, right? Brock Purdy, you are not the MVP. You are a good quarterback, but let's face it. If Geno Smith was on the San Francisco 49ers, they'd probably have the same record, and they'd be favorites to be in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, if the San Francisco 49ers do not make the Super Bowl this year, It is an outright failure for this collection, this roster. And once again, Albert, the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers won one Super Bowl. How many playoff failures did they have? A lot. And that's what a lot of people remember about Aaron Rodgers. But why are we not remembering the consistent playoff failures from the San Francisco 49ers? Consecutively, consistently having one of the best rosters in football and never able to win a title. Brock Purdy, you got the best ticket, the best keys to the best car in football. And if you, Brock Purdy, cannot make the big throws in the playoffs, and do anything of the sort to get this team to the Super Bowl like Jimmy Garoppolo did, you have failed. Kyle Shannon, you have failed. John Lynch, you have failed. If this team does not make the Super Bowl at least, it is a failure once again because they are that damn good.
1: Okay, thanks for listening to the podcast today. That's it from us at Homestand Sports. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple Music, Amazon, and Spotify. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage.